Creating videos doesn't have to be expensive and time-consuming. At QuickFrame by Mountain, you'll get all the creativity without any of the baggage. Their solution has facilitated more than 65,000 high-performing on-brand video ads designed for both audience specificity and rapid creative testing. Get matched with a diverse community of creators across the globe who have the skills to bring your big and small ideas to life. Big screen performance on every screen in the home? It's not too good to be true. It's just how they roll. Visit quickframe.com to learn more. Welcome to Great Minds, and our guest today is beyond an extraordinary treat. With me is someone who's become a dear friend. He is one of the foremost minds, not just in golf, but in all of sports, and I'm going to cross over Hank into academia. Uh, he is just a, a joy to be with, and we're thrilled to welcome Hank Haney. So welcome, Hank. Matt, I appreciate that uh, nice introduction, and uh, it's my pleasure to be with you, my friend. I, I, you just uh, laid a nice story on me before we started, so it made my day already. Uh, you're the best. So, Hank, so much ground to cover. Uh, I want to get right into it, and I want to start by talking about Lake Forest. Okay. To me, there's something very uh, grounding and grounded about people from the Midwest. There's a certain value system, a certain way of approaching life. So I know Illinois is about to re-enter your life again, right. uh, as you and your uh, uh, lovely bride and, and Henry are, are all-star future U.S. Olympic hockey player, uh, yeah. ply their craft. But can we start and talk about Lake Forest and, and Illinois? Oh, wow. I mean, you know, I, I was born in Lake Forest, Illinois. So um, <laughs> I, I always refer to, you know, the fact that I'm from Chicago, but it's actually uh, well north of Chicago. Uh, and it was a, a great community to grow up in. I, I tell people, though, it was, it's a great place to be from. Uh, emphasis on the from, but that's mostly just because of the weather, because I, I agree with you. I mean, the people from you know, the, the Midwest. And, and of course, I've traveled, you know, all over the country for years and years and years. And for that matter, all over the world. And I think that the Midwest people are, you know, special in my mind, because they're, they're just, uh, you know, down to earth people. And, you know, hopefully that had some influence on me. I've got, um, you know, my, my great friend, Rick Silverman, who, you know, is, is from there as well. And uh, we've been lifelong friends. So, I mean, you know, the Midwest is great. And, and uh, yeah, we're, um, <laughs> my son plays hockey. He's nine years old. People, people, uh, think, Hank, you have a nine-year-old? And yeah, I do. Uh, and I'm 68. And my friend Curtis Strange reminded me, uh, the great uh, Hall of Fame golfer, two-time U.S. Open champion. I saw him a few years ago at the uh, tournament down in, in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. He said, Hank, I heard you had a kid. And I said, yeah, I did. And he said, have you done the math on that? And I said, yeah, thanks, but I've done the math on that. So I'm 68 with a nine-year-old, but he plays hockey. And, uh, you know, we want to 
we want to give him the best opportunity we can. So, you know, Phoenix is, it's good hockey, but it's not great hockey, I wouldn't say. And uh, that's where we're living now. And we're on our way back to the Midwest, to, you know, to, uh, you know, see what, what that offers us. And people think we're absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, they, t- they, they always tell me, you know, you know, it's really cold there. And I'm like, no kidding. You know, I grew up there. I lived there my whole life. Uh, I said, we're not moving for the weather, but we are moving for the, the people and the opportunity. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to have grown up in a great atmosphere there. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I, I learned a lot and I think my son will learn a lot from being there too. That's, that's fantastic. And you're going to keep the studio and the presence in Paradise Valley. Yeah, yeah. I'm still going to keep teaching here in, in uh, Arizona. Paradise Valley is where our home is. I got a golf studio at my house. And then, um, you know, I haven't taught for 10 years. You were one of my first students coming back from uh, out of retirement. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I want to teach. And, and, you know, I, I just like helping people. But, you know, I've, I've been teaching, but in different ways. But now I'm back teaching individual lessons and I built this studio at my house because I said, I'm going to I'm going to do this on my own terms. I'm going to I'm going to do it at my house. And I found out that the indoor teaching and I have got an outside short game area and everything. But the indoor teaching I found has been even more effective. So I've really been just thrilled with the results that I've gotten and. You know, there's something like people think it's like, a, you know, it's obviously a unique experience. I'm going to take a lesson from Hank Haney and I did it at his house, you know, so it's it's uh, it, it, I think it adds to the to the experience. But I'm also uh, going to open up a, a, a studio somewhere in, in the Chicago area, too, and uh, kind of start maybe expanding this this. Um, you know, business idea I have. I'm a little old to be starting new businesses. I've had a lot of businesses in my career, but uh, I'm I'm getting ready to do another one because I, I just uh, I'm just thrilled with the results that I've gotten. And there's no better golf market than you know uh, Chicago. I mean, you live you live in New York. There's great golf there. It's certainly right along par with with uh, you know Chicago, but. People don't realize that with in golf, the best, you know, the best states really for golf are like New York, uh, Michigan, Illinois, Minnesota. I mean, it's kind of, you know, crazy. I mean, because people automatically think in the South when they think about golf, but uh, it's it's actually, you know, in the, you know, bigger metropolitan areas and especially in the North because they love golf, you know. They sure do. And and the studio is magic, Hank. And I'm glad you're going to take that model and bring it with you to Chicago. The the good golfers or would-be good golfers of Illinois will be the beneficiaries. So, great. All right, let, let's move on. We, we'll, we'll come back to that. I'm glad you mentioned Rick, of course. Um, but let's go to another magical place. And if we can, I'd like to sort of, I don't know why it's popping into my head, but I'm thinking of the old Baltimore Colts quarterback, Burt Jones, uh-huh. and, and the great running back. Remember Lydell Mitchell? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know why that popped in my head because I'm not a Colts fan, but it did. Uh, so I'd like to be Burt Jones and you, Lydell Mitchell, and just throw out a few things and give you the ball and let you run with it if that's all right. Okay, all right. So what about Pinehurst, Hank? <laughs> well, I mean, Pinehurst is – first off, Pinehurst is a special place. It's a special place in golf. Uh, it's It's magical. It's just uh, it has this feel when you go to Pinehurst, you know, you're, you're someplace special. All the history there, 
the great golf courses, the greats have played there, the great tournaments they've hosted. And that's where I, I started, you know, I really kind of started spreading my wings. When I first started coaching, I was lucky enough to work with the John Jacobs golf schools. And John, John is from, from England. And, and he was, a, I think the finest golf instructor the world's ever known. And uh, he passed away just a couple of years ago, but I mean, I had the opportunity to work with John and we went to Pinehurst to do a golf school and they had had a management changeover and they, they needed a new teaching staff. And while I was there, they asked me, would you be interested in coming back and running all our schools? And next thing you know, I'm the you know director of instruction for the Pinehurst Golf Academy Golf Schools. I'm 23 years old and I'm the director of instruction at the biggest golf resort in the world. So it was a special place and, and uh, it kind of got my career really, really going where I started spreading my wings a little bit more on my own. And that's where I met Mark O'Meara. And, you know, you, you, uh, you've met Mark, you know, Mark is a special person. And it, what's amazing is, is, you know, I mean, I was, I was working there, teaching there, a good friend of mine, Ken Crow, introduced me to him, said, hey, there's this guy that wants you to watch him. And, and frankly, I, I thought that it was Friday afternoon. There was a, there, they had a, the Hall of Fame tournament there, a pro tournament. And Mark was on the range. And my friend Ken said, hey, come out and watch this guy. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to watch this. You know, I don't want to watch anybody right now. You know, it's just, I, actually, I thought it was one of his club pro friends that missed the cut. And he just wanted me to watch him. And I, and, and I go, but finally he drags me out there. I go out there and it's Mark O'Meara. And, you know, Mark had been Rookie of the Year and uh, two years prior to that or a year prior to that. And he was, uh, you know, the U.S. Amateur Champion, well-known player. And and I'd never helped a touring pro before. And Mark asked me, would you watch me hit some balls? So I stood back there and I watched him. And finally, after like, which seemed like probably a long time to him, five minutes or something, he, he, he said, are you going to say anything? And I said, yeah, I said, let's go sit down. We'll, uh, you know, have a Coke or, and talk about, you know, what, what I think you need to do to, to be the best that you can be and uh, what your plan should be. And he said, Hank, he said, I don't have time for that. He said, if, if, if I don't start playing better, I'm not going to be on the PGA tour. He said, I'm 124th on the money list on the PGA tour. If I don't make some cuts at the end of the year, I'm not going to be on the tour. I said, well, let's, let's sit down. We'll talk. So we talked and I told Mark everything I thought about his swing and what I observed and what I thought he needed to do. And he said, well, let's, let's get to work. So, you know, next thing you know, two years later, Mark finished second on the money list on the PGA tour. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, uh, everybody thought, you know, man, Hank Haney must know something. And now I've got, you know, I've got a following and I've got people taking lessons from him. So, I mean, I've had so many great things, Matt, happen to me in uh, in my life, in my career. Uh, it's just like, it's been incredible. I mean, you know, not the least of which was coaching Tiger Woods for six years, but nothing would have happened if I hadn't met Mark O'Meara. Nothing, not one thing. So you have to be, you know, you can be great at whatever you are doing, but you have to be fortunate. You have to be in the right place at the right time. And, you know, of course, I certainly believe the harder you work, the luckier you get, too. And uh, that opportunity came my way. And, and I, took, I took advantage of it, too, because Mark, you know, went on and now he's in the Hall of Fame.
And uh, Mark used to tell me all the time, he said, Hank, he said, I tell him, man, you're a great player. And he'd, he'd say, uh, Hank, I'm not a great player. He's not, you know, Nicholas is a great player. Tiger Woods is a great player. I'm not, I'm not a great player. I'm a good player. I'm not a great player. And then uh, when he got inducted in the World Golf Hall of Fame, I texted him. I said, they don't have any good players in the Hall of Fame. They only got great right. players in the Hall of Fame. So, uh, you know, that, that was, uh, that was a, the luckiest day of my life. Absolutely priceless story. And, and speaking of priceless, and we've shared uh, the run-up uh, to this, we just had a wonderful experience, thanks to our dear friend, uh, Raja Raja Manar and the MasterCard people at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And I had a chance to, to meet your uh, pupil, Mark O'Meara, and spend some time with him, who shared the identical story, Hank, in such a, such a endearing, uh, similarly, uh, I would, I'll just say that word again, endearing and, and uh, really priceless, uh, not to be uh, overused the, uh, the word, but priceless story. Mark also shared that it was he who first brought Tiger Woods to you. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, Mark and Tiger had been friends. So I'd been around Tiger a lot. He uh, was friends with some of the juniors that I coached in Dallas and uh, the Keeney family. And so I'd, I'd been around Tiger. Uh, I coached college golf for five years at SMU. So I also saw him at college tournaments when he played at Stanford. But then I spent a lot of time around him because Mark and Tiger would practice a lot together. And when I was coaching Mark, I was, you know, I was obviously around Tiger a lot. And, uh, yeah, one Mark called me up one day and he said, you know, uh, Tiger might be calling you. And I'm like, whoa, you know, I'm thinking that that would be like incredible. And uh, anyway, he, he called me one night and he said, uh, you know, Hank, would do uh, would you would you help me? And I'm like, you know, of course, as you as a coach, you pinch yourself at, at that point. And I think, you know, this is the greatest opportunity a coach could ever have. And uh, of course, I said yes. And then. Uh, he said, he said, what, what do you think about my game? And then probably the great biggest understatement of all time, I said, well, I think your game's pretty good. He said, but from, from my standpoint, when I'm looking in from the outside, looking in, it's hard for me to tell what your plan is. I said, you, it looks like, you know, obviously a lot about the golf swing, a lot, of, you know, you're a tremendous player, but I don't see what your, your plan is. So I said, I think you need to have a better plan that goes from A to Z, you know, if, if you never make it past C or D or E, you know, that's, that's, you know, it is what it is, but you have to have a plan that makes you or takes you from where you are to be the best that you could possibly be. And I said, I think that's what you need. And, and that's what I can help you, you know, get better. And, and that's, uh, you know, the next day I flew to Orlando and to work with them and we were, I drove up, rented my car like I did for six years at the Orlando airport and drove to Isleworth. And he was waiting at the end of his end of his driveway with his clubs on a cart. And I drove up and I got out of my car. And the first thing he did was he told me three things that I taught that he didn't agree with. And I thought to myself, wow, this is going to be an incredible experience. 
I, I thought, I don't know how long this is going to last, but this is going to be an incredible experience right here. And, uh, you know, I did, I, I kind of just brushed off the three things because it wasn't, it wasn't the time or place to, you know, kind of have a discussion about that. To, honestly, he didn't even, I didn't feel like he really knew enough about what he was talking about, to be honest with you, to, to, to have that discussion. So I just would let time take care of, of those three things. And, and as time went by, then all those three things were fine. But, um, I just, you know, because at first, the the first thing you have to do is you have to build a relationship. And, you know, that that was that was day one. It wasn't time for a knockdown drag out about three things he didn't agree with. I said, well, well, we can work around those things. That's no problem. And then, you know, we just got started. So it was great. There's no no two ways about that. And, you know, that's that that goes back to Mark O'Meara. You're right about that. And so a six year run. Uh, Tiger wins roughly, roughly 50% of his tournaments. Yeah. It, he, he, for the last three years I coached me, he won over 50% of his tournaments. Yeah. Including- yeah. He won about, I think 46% of his tournaments while I helped him. He was top 10, 85% of the time. Yeah. It was a pretty good, you know, it, to put that in perspective, Jack Nicholas won 12% in his career. Wow. So it's a, it's a pretty big, big stretch, big run. I mean, I, 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 uh, you know, I never hit a shot. You know, I just uh, watched and coached. But obviously, I'm proud of the time that I spent with Tiger, for sure. As you should be. So I, I don't want to go too deep in the obvious. Let's go in the less obvious. And, and one of the reasons why, Hank, I'm such a fan of your podcast and the time that we've spent together in Paradise Valley is you extract stories about what it takes to win, about commitment, about what to say and sometimes what not to say as a as a coach i'd love to you know to talk about some of those stories and share some of those because i think they are you know so important and such such resonance not only in sport but in business and in life yeah you know i i think you know some of the times the best ways to get points across are to you know, give examples, give and and let people think. Because I always try to to make my students their own best, uh, their own best coach. You know, that's that's my goal. And you know, one of the you know ways to do that is to is to get people to think for themselves. And I want I want you to own it. You know, I I, I don't want you to just take a lesson and think. You know, uh, <laughs> Hank told me to do this. That's not learning hasn't really taken place when you just think, you know, I remember what he told me to do. I want you to be able to think and figure things out for yourself. And that's where, you know, because true, true confidence comes from when you believe in what you're doing and you understand what you're doing. And frankly, in golf, when you can put something back together, when it falls apart, that's because it's going to fall apart. It's like when people say, you know, Hank, I, I, I think I, I've got it. You know, I've, I've got it. I'm playing great. I've got it. And I always tell him, I said, make sure you enjoy it because it's only temporary. Okay. It, it's, it's going to fall apart, but you can, you can put it back together. So, so, you know, it's stories help a lot. One, one of the, one of the, a great story I, I'll share with you one that I told Tiger. So uh, he was, everybody said, he's got a great short game. And when I, you know, a phenomenal short game, and frankly, I, when I first started teaching him, I thought, okay, just 
I don't have to say much. I don't have to do much. Just stay out of his way. And I'm going to, you know, he's going to play great. And I'm going to, you know, it's going to, it's going to work out great for me. And then early on, I realized, you know, he's, his game wasn't in the best place at that time. That's why he called me. And, and, I have to, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to coach, you know, and, and, and it's, it's a challenge because greatness is different. I mean, they're, it's just different. I mean, I, I've, I've worked a lot of great achievers in my career and they're, they're different, uh, way different. And that's what makes them special. You know, I mean, you, you can't, you don't change that difference. You've got to just work with it. And, and that's a, that's a challenge. So his short game, Tiger's short game wasn't, wasn't as good as everybody said you know I thought wow you know he's one of the things he he didn't do well is he didn't get the the relative there's no easy shots in golf uh, there are no easy shots but but the easier shots he didn't he didn't get as close to the hole as he could and and I noticed that and I so one day I told him a story about I, I used to take pool lessons you know shooting pool from a a friend of mine called C.J. Wiley. And C.J. Wiley was a child prodigy pool player when he was like 12, 13 years old. He ran like, you know, 10 racks of balls. He was a phenomenal player. And I would give him golf lessons and he would give me pool lessons. And I said to him one day, I said, I said, C.J., I said, I make a lot of really, really hard shots. I said, you know, really tough shots, bank shots, you know, combination shots. I make a lot of really hard shots. I said, but I miss a lot of really easy shots. And he said, Hank, he said, that's because there are no easy shots. They're all just shots. If they're easy, nobody would ever miss them. And that, 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 that really stuck with me. So I told Tiger that story one day. I said, I said, you know, I said, Tiger, you know, you're, you're great on the harder shots around the green, but some of these easier shots, you're not, you're not getting them close enough to the hole and you're putting too much stress on your putter. And I told him a story that, you know, CJ Wiley told me, and I said, there are no easy shots. You know, they're all just shots. you got to treat them all just like shots. So the, the next week he went to play over in, in, in Dubai and, uh, and, and uh, he won the tournament. He called me up after he won. And I said, how'd you do? And he said, because when I when I told him that story, it was like a lot of it was a lot of like a lot of stories that I would tell him or things I would say. You know, he'd look at me and I, I'm like, is he even paying attention to what I'm saying? And, and that was part of it with with coaching him. You, you almost had to, well, it wasn't almost. I absolutely had to try to make things his idea. You know, it, everything had to be his idea, which is fine. I mean, that's that's I don't mind that. I, I I think that's actually better that way. So but but my challenge as a coach was to make things his idea. So I told him that story. And then I asked after Dubai, I said, he called me, he said, I won. I said, how'd you how'd you do? He says, I didn't hit it very good. He said, but my my short game was really good. He said, I got all the easy ones up and in because there are no easy ones. And I thought, wow, he actually listened to me, you know, and uh, and, you know, that was just something where it wasn't like technical, but it was just like it got to be a little more focused. And I used a story to, you know, to help accomplish that. And it was a story about somebody that was great at what they did. So, you know, that resonates, you know, greatness loves to see what greatness is doing. 
You know, they pay attention to it more. Uh, you know, it's not just Hank Haney saying it's like world champion pool player, you know, gave me this advice. And, you know, then he he took that. So that, 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 that's, that was, that's one of my stories that I always uh, remember. And I, you know, I feel like had an impact on Tiger's game. And along that journey, the Hank Haney brand gets built in a big, big yeah. way. I mean, Mark was a great player, multiple major winner, right. member of the Hall of Fame. Uh, but all of a sudden now, you know, you're in the rarefied air of Michael Jordan, Pele, Muhammad Ali, Tiger Woods. Yeah. You know, that's a yeah. different stratosphere. Yeah, different. Talk, talk about that and the evolution of the Hank Haney brand, which to me is the essence of excellence and performance. But you know, that really turbocharged that growth. Oh, for sure. Because you, you have so many opportunities. But one of the reasons that I got that opportunity was because, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't big at, at promotion. I mean, like that's something that, you know, doesn't and didn't go well with Tiger. So, he you know, one of the reasons I got that opportunity, like people say, how did you get an opportunity to teach Tiger? Well, if you're if you're Tiger Woods and you're looking for a coach, it's a very short list that you're picking from. It's not, there's not like a lot of people on this list potentially. Uh, and, you know, he had been around me and, you know, a lot and he knew that, you know, the, I could handle the situation and, and everything that comes with coaching, you know, a, a, arguably the greatest athlete ever, certainly one of them. He's on everybody's short list. Uh, and and I think you know that had a lot to do. So so I I just really approached it like you know if I just do my job, then everything else will take care of itself. And if I don't do my job, then you know this isn't going to be good for me or good for my brand. It's going to be bad for me and bad for my brand because you know you could be known as the coach that screwed up Tiger Woods, and you, you certainly don't want that on your resume either. So, so everything that that happened to me in, in golf, and so many great things happened to me because I coached Tiger, and that all happened because I coached Mark O'Meara. But you know, the players got results. It all it all comes off of that. You know, you got if you don't get results, then none of that's gonna gonna work. And I I just kind of you know felt like you know just do your job, do the best you can do, and give it a hundred percent all the time. I mean, that's that's like I. I but that's just the way my mind works. I mean, I, I wake up and I would wake up every day. I wake up, you know, man, if you're coming for a lesson, I wake up and I'm thinking, okay, this is what we did last time with Matt. This is, this is how he was doing. I wonder, you know, how he's doing now. If, if it's, you know, if it's, is, is, if it's improving, we'll keep with it. If it's not, I'm going to, I got to switch course a little bit, find a different way to say it, find a different way to do it. I mean, that's going through my mind, you know, when I go to sleep at night, because I look at my schedule, it's going through my mind when I get up in the morning. And when I coach Tiger every day, when I got up and, and through the night, I mean, my mind is just racing and it's everything that I think he needs to do to get better. And he he didn't celebrate wins, you know. I mean, he did with majors a little bit, but not, you know, with him, it's just, you know, he would win. And then, you know, the next day he called me and said, well, what's our plan now? What do we need to do to get better? It's just constant improvement, always trying to get better. And that's the way I work, too, because, you know, and it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. There's no, there's no such thing as staying the same. 
I mean, if you're staying the same, then somebody is catching you. You know, your competitor, somebody you're doing business, you know, uh, your business is competing against. They're they're improving. So if you're staying the same, by definition, you're losing ground. And that's how, you know, I thought that's how Tiger thought. And the whole, you know, uh, business aspect, I mean, frankly, I mean, if you just do a good enough job as a coach, that all takes care of itself. It's not something that uh, you have to, you know, worry about. And if you spend your time worrying about that, then you're probably, you know, not going to do as good at the rest of the, 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 you know, part that you should be doing good at, which is the coaching. So I never really worried about that, you know, and, but, but, you know, I tried to make smart decisions along the way and everything was always like, you know, I, I feel like, like with coaching, I could have made more money coaching. You know, I've had a lot of great teachers work for me over the years, but, I, but I've had, I've had teachers that have worked for me for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, you know, and I mean, I had, you know, I had his Hispanic golf course maintenance guys that worked for me for 25 years. Okay. And, you know, that was more important to me than trying to figure out how to milk a little more out of a business, to be honest with you. Cause, cause I felt like, you know, this is a positive reflection of my brand and, 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 you know, in the long run, if, if I do well with that, then, you know, everything else will take care of itself. One of the things that came up a lot when we were together, Hank, and that you talk about on the podcast, your podcast, talked about it a lot with Rick Silverman as well, are the majors and the masters in particular. Yeah. And just as you have built a brand that stands for excellence, the Augusta National you know, leadership over the years, and, and that's such a unique place, they've created a brand that to right. me is one of the great stories in branding without any brands. So I, I love when you go there and you get a, a soda. It's not a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi. It's a master's cola. Right. And when you get a beer, it's a master's beer. Yeah. And that here they've created this iconic brand and yet they, there were no brands involved. The, the advertisers on the CBS broadcast, as you know, very limited, two or three every year. Mm -hmm. Uh, same brands uh, year in, year out. Talk about the majors, the special place they hold. And it's almost, I guess, our first big one of the year is Augusta. Uh, right. Talk about the Masters. Well, I mean, the, the, the majors are, are really the terms. You know, with the Live Golf starting up, there's all this discussion about, you know, like they said, oh, those are just exhibitions. And I, and I you know, and, and then that got me thinking. I said, well, you know what? pretty much every PGA tour event is an exhibition. I mean, th that's what it is. It's an, the Ryder cup, you know, for all the, you know, the, the talk about the Ryder cup, it's an exhibition. I mean, that's what it is. It's always been an exhibition. It's an exhibition. People make it out to be more than it is, but it's an exhibition. Golf tournaments are exhibitions, but the majors are different. They're not exhibitions. I mean, they're the real tournaments. And that's why, Jack Nicholas is considered the greatest golfer ever because he won 18 majors. Tiger only 15. By any other criteria, Tiger's the greatest player ever. Okay. Because um, he's won 82 times on the PGA Tour, far surpassing Jack Nicholas. But the majors are special. And when you look at the majors, I mean, the Masters stands far above everyone else. I mean, like, you know, when Marco Mero won 
1998, he won the Masters, and that was like the most incredible thing because to win that tournament, I mean, you'd like to win any major to say you're a major. First off, if you could win a PGA Tour event, it's incredible. But to win a major is really incredible. You'd take any one you could get, but but if you could win one and you win the Masters, I mean, that's like the that's the one to win. And everybody, you know, it's 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 everybody knows it. And then, you know, second on the list is the Open Championship. I mean, in, in you know, in 1998, Marco Mira won the Masters and the Open Championship. And those are the two. I mean, that's the true, you know, it's the Open Championship. It's really the Open of the world. And and those are the two tournaments that stand above the rest. The other, the other, you know, the U.S. Open and the PGA are great because they're majors. They're, 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 there's only four majors, and those are two of them. But the Masters is 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 the number one, and you know I think a lot a lot of it is the fact that they play the same golf course every year. It's uh, such an iconic course, and it's such a unique course because you can you can make up for a, a from from behind. You can you can catch up, but you can also lose a big lead, and it's so unique in that way. You know, like the U.S. Open is always just a hard course and. You know, once you fall back, you're never getting, you're never coming back up. But the Masters, you know, it goes both ways. You go up, you go down, and it can be drastic changes in the last nine holes. And it's just, it's just iconic and special, and and it's it's just different. And you, when you go there, you feel it. And uh, yeah, they've done an incredible, incredible job. That's never going to change. That's forever, you know. And uh, and and. Uh, I've I've been to Masters so many times, um, you know the the you know the best one for sure for me was when Mark O'Meara won, because you know I worked with Mark for twenty five years and and to you know to see somebody try as hard as he did and then you know to watch somebody's dreams come true, you know I mean you know I coached Tiger when he won six majors I mean that's not that's not your dream coming true. That's just, you know, that's just what he does. You know, he, he, he won majors. Okay. He's the greatest and he won majors, but to watch Marco Mira and have his dreams come true. You know, that's, that's a whole another level. Absolutely. Fantastic. So Hank, I, I can't help but ask, this is such a, a giveaway question, but you know, so much has gone right you know, with all your students, the high profile ones that we've talked about, so many other, you know, PGA tour members and, and, you know, people from the general public like me, so much has gone right, but once in a while, something goes wrong. (laughs) And there must be some moment that you can reflect on any point in your career, something marquee or non-marquee, where you lay awake at night and laugh, boy, that sure went south. You know, that that's like, uh, I don't know, it's, that's a great question. And that's a, that's a great question. I, I really just only think forward. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think backwards. You know, they, they say the great thing about yesterday is it's never going to happen again. And, and I just, uh, you know, I, I just, I just only think forward. I mean, I can't, you know, I've had things that have happened to me, you know, that that haven't been great. But I don't I never dwell on them like it's just that's done. It's over. And it's like in 
you know, the thing thing in golf, one of the, the one of the greatest, you know, uh attributes that Tiger Woods has is that he can play one shot at a time. That's what he does. Now he, he he'll hit a bad shot and he would get mad. Oh my gosh, he would get mad. But it would be over by the time he was ready to play the next shot. And in golf, you know, people say, you know, Hank, what, you know, help me with my mental game. I said, the mental game in golf pretty much boils down to playing one shot at a time. You play one shot as best you can, think about what you're doing, give it your best effort, and then you move on to the next shot. And you just play a series of one shots, and then you add them up at the end. And I kind of, it's kind of the same philosophy with life. I mean, it's just like, um, that was a great question he asked me. It, you know, caught me a little off guard. But I, I, you know what? I don't think about, I don't think about anything that's gone wrong. Because you know what? I can't do anything about that. It's it's over. It's done. I'm moving on. It's, it's uh, you know, like uh, Bill Belichick said, we're moving on to Cincinnati. You know, we're, we're not talking about the last game. We're talking about the next game. Well, I'll say it was a mediocre question and a great answer. So uh, let's let's uh, move on. We got to start wrapping up, but just a, a couple more things. Uh, last night I watched Chris Rock's new special, and it was called Selective Outrage. And one of the things he talked about is how society reacts to things today, mm-hmm. that the level of severity or the level of reaction period can be vastly different from one genre of the media to the next. You talk a lot about the golf media, and I've given a very honest take on PGA and Live, and I happen to agree with you that it's uplifted the whole game. It's put a lot more money into the game. Uh, For all the players, I think everybody's benefited. The players that are on the tour now, the amount of money they played for 20 million, you know, yesterday. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but give us your take on that sort of crossover between sports and culture. You have such a unique and compelling take, and you talk about it a lot on the Hank Haney podcast, so I thought it worth asking. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like like people have, you know, it's human nature. So so you know, people are going to have a bias and most people's biases, whatever benefits them the the most, you know, I mean, it's, just, it, you know, you, you can't change human nature. I mean, you know, people are going to give you an opinion on what you ought to do on anything, but there's always a bias towards what's better for them. And, and I, I think that is, is where I, when I look at like a lot of times with the, with the media, like, what is this person's agenda? You know, like I'll get people like, you know, send me messages back and, you know, like, Hank, I hate when you say this or I hate when you say that. And then, you know, they'll give me this whole list of things that that they don't like that I said, you know, maybe I was talking about live golf or something. And then the last thing they'll say is, you know, that's that's something Trump would say. You know, and it, and I think okay. Now here, here's there's the real crux of the of the problem right there. You know, I mean, it's like they just and they they come up with something that is is not even related to what I was talking about, but it swayed their it swayed their their thinking on the subject, and they they don't. You know, I think you have to treat things just individually, and 
when I when I watch like like for instance, you know, you brought up the live golf. I think it's been great for the players, like you said. It, it, there's so much more money. There's more golf on TV. Um, you know, people say, well, it's 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 ruining golf. I'm like, how's it ruining golf? I mean, there's more spots for players to play. There's more money than there's ever been for players to play for. The PGA Tour is so much better now. Like, just one year in. Like, these tournaments, the Arnold Palmer Invitational was phenomenal. The 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 uh, Phoenix Open was phenomenal. The Genesis was phenomenal with these great fields and great players and Yes, some of them have gone to LIV, but but collectively, it's better. And now you can watch LIV, and you can watch the and, and they're attracting a younger audience. And then you watch the PGA Tour, and it's a little you know they're attracting a little older audience, but they're 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 stepping up and they're making changes. And I you know it to to me, I think you just have to you have to look at everything from you know as at a big picture. But, you know, I don't have a perfect view on everything. Every, You know, everyone has an opinion and everyone's entitled to their own opinion that, you know, I don't I don't really have any any problem with that. You can you know, it's it's, uh, you know, Jim Gray told Jim Gray is a great sportscaster. He told me one day he said, Hank, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but no one's entitled to their own facts. OK. Uh, and and, you know, everybody can have an opinion on on whatever. Uh, I might not agree with it, but that's fine. You know, it's your opinion based on on whatever, and you know, I'm I'm all right with all that. Great answer, and and I, as much as anything, enjoy your you know take on culture because yeah. that's really what we're we're talking about more, more broadly. So, Hank, just to wrap lessons, the Hank Haney Academy going great. Uh, there's videos out there in the Performance Golf Zone. There's a you've written a panoply of books about beyond just continuing to be a great dad which is what you're doing with henry what else is out there that you you know sort of have on your bucket list of things to accomplish uh you know my my deal at this point is you know i'm i'm 68 years old so my focus you know like i get a lot of fulfillment out of helping people so i enjoy doing that I don't need to do it 10 hours a day. Okay. You know, just a few hours a day of coaching and, you know, have a positive impact, you know, like you had a good experience at uh, you're you're playing at the pro-am at Bay Hill. And it, you know, it absolutely like, like, you know, when you sent me a text message and then when we talked this morning before we did the podcast and you, you know, told me all about it and I could tell how excited you were I mean, it just like makes my day, you know, so there's not a lot else I need to get out of life than something like that. But, you know, my main focus is just is just my son making sure he has opportunities, making sure he, you know, can uh, achieve success and and teaching him, you know, like he's my you know, I always say, you know, when I for 10 years, I didn't coach I said I don't have any students. And when I coached Tiger for six years, he was my only student. And I said, and I said, uh, naively, I said, uh, you know, when I'm done with Tiger, I'm done. I'm not, I will not coach again. You know, I said, I'll, 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 I will be done. And I didn't coach for, for, for 10 years, but I, I do have one student and that's my son, Henry. So, you know, I, I have to, I have to coach him and, 
you know, teach him about life and how to be successful and, you know, try to pass on everything that I've learned that can help him grow as a person and, and, uh, and, and achieve success. So that's really my focus to be on. And then just providing for my family, you know, I mean, other than that, I mean, I'm good. I mean, I've had a great career. I've had a great life. I mean, geez, I mean, can you, I mean, it's unbelievable to have been in my shoes. It's just like crazy. So uh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good, but I, but I, I, I get in a lot of enjoyment out of passing things along. So when I can have a positive impact on somebody that, that, you know, fills me up too. Well, in an age that often is uh, filled with negativity, you radiate positivity. <laughs> and uh, I can't thank you enough for doing this. You're a jewel of a guy. Uh, you and Rick being part of my life and, and friends of mine is, is a great joy. And I just can't thank you enough for sitting with us here and talking about what is still very much a tremendous career. All right. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. It's fun for me. Uh, great. Uh, you got a great way about you and uh, great questions. And I feel like uh, you made me look good. So I appreciate it. Thanks, pal. There's a better way to make high quality video ads. You know, like the ones that drive performance on every platform across the internet? QuickFrame by Mountain has hacked the video production process to deliver a faster, more efficient way to produce content. Through a global network of creators hungry to bring your brand's vision to life, you'll be able to iterate and improve upon your campaigns mid-flight, creating a feedback loop of testing and learning so you can scale your business and reach new audiences. Visit QuickFrame.com to learn more.